Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. Seriously, make it stop. Thankfully, there's one company out there that's giving you a much-needed break. It's Mint Mobile. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton with phone plans starting at just $15 a month. All plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash switch. That's mintmobile.com slash switch. Hello and welcome to another special episode of Two Mr. P's in a Podcast with me, Mr. P. And the other Mr. P. And we have got a very special guest, our first Chinwag episode of the new academic year. We are joined by the award-winning, I don't know, well, yeah, award-winning. <laughs> yeah, I would say that. Yeah, if you're not, if you're not yet, you will be soon, I'm sure. <laughs> Award-winning comedian, writer and actress, Rosie Jones. Welcome to the podcast, Rosie. How are you doing? Oh, thank you for having me. I am really good. I'm, I don't want to rub it in because I'm guessing you both been at school, <laughs> but I've had the day off, I've had a massage, I've been for coffee, I've seen my friend, I am feeling very chilled out and incredibly happy. Well, so, <laughs> the complete opposite of every teacher in the country at the minute. I was going to say that sounds absolute bliss. And I've just got back <laughs> in the pouring rain after being at a football competition this afternoon where one of my children scored two own goals uh, <laughs> in one of the games after me clearly telling them we're shooting that way. Yeah. He shot in our net, not once, <laughs> but yeah. twice. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, a massage and seeing friends seems like heaven at this point. Honestly, I cannot recommend a Tuesday morning massage more. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I think every teacher would love to do it. It's just got to get on with that teaching, like. 
Oh, and it's just it's just relentless at the minute. If I could give every teacher a massage, it's like we've just got to October, and I don't know how we're in October already when yeah. September yeah. seems to last forever. But I saw a brilliant description of September for teachers where someone said it's like childbirth. Like you'd never you'd never choose to go through you forget what it's like yeah. until you then you have to do it again. So um, but yeah, we are here to talk about your brand new book. I think Adam's got a copy of it here. Oh. Uh, Eddie Eckhart. Now, am I right in thinking this is the second book? Yeah, yes, I was C.D. Eckhart and I wrote one last year. This is the second one and I am currently writing the third one. All right. So we're on the E.D. Eckhart conveyor belt now. <laughs> So was today supposed to be a writing day? Was it a research <laughs> day? Is the third book going to sort of have a massage element to it? You can't see me, but my, my head is in my hands <laughs> because you've absolutely seen straight for me. <laughs> uh, today was meant to be a, a writing day and all weekend I've been like, right, yeah, yeah. I'm filming Monday, but Tuesday I'll be on it. I'll be writing. I'll write all day. And then yesterday I was like, no, <laughs> Mama needs a massage. <laughs> Don't blame you. Don't blame you at all. Just like I said, just call it research. Research for the new yeah. book. Yeah, I mean, when you read book three and the entire, entire book takes place in the massage parlor, you know why. Yeah. <laughs> if you were tapped. <laughs> if you were typing as the massage was happening as well. So Edie did the, oh, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Bit, bit up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a chapter on full body Swedish. A chapter on hot stones. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Oh, well, currently, I am, um, I think I signed up to write five easy books. Wow. So you never know if I run out of ideas <laughs> by book five, it'll be just manicure, pedicure. <laughs> Full body massage. Yeah. I enjoy that. Yeah, yeah. So did you have the five book deal? Was that before you wrote the first book or after? No. So I had a two book deal. Yeah. And then 
that went well and I'm really grateful that children have got on board with it and they seem to really like it. So now I got an extra free book deal. So yeah, we go with for the five, baby. <laughs> so for anyone who's not come across the sort of world you've created through these books. Do you want to sort of introduce a little bit about the character and what it's all about? And then we'll talk about the second book as well. Yes, I was a middle, um, what do they call it? Like a middle grade book. So, so you say sort of key stage two, sort yeah, of nine, yeah, to 11, yeah. nine to 11. Yeah, yeah. Nine to 12 years old. Right. And, um, it's about a girl called Dee Dee who was starting secondary school. So the first book is all about her settling in, making new friends, meeting other teachers. It's what we all went through starting a new school. Um, and Edie is amazing, funny, ambitious, stubborn, and she has cerebral palsy like me. And I wrote it because growing up I loved reading but I never read about a character who um, was disabled and in hindsight that really upset me because I thought, am I not valid? Am I not worthy of having a story told about me? So when I grew up and got into writing, I thought, right, I need to put this right. And I wrote ED. I wrote ED for disabled children to realise that their story is absolutely worth telling but I also wrote it for non-disabled children to realise that just because somebody has a disability it doesn't mean they're wrong or weird or anything like Edie is just like 
So I wanted to show that those kinds of thoughts and feelings are absolutely normal. And again, I've had people coming up to me saying thank you because Edie has given my daughter the words to tell me that she thinks she might be gay or or something or might have feelings towards other girls. So yeah, out of everything I do, the feedback is my favourite thing because hopefully through my books I am making it easier for children to express themselves or be comfortable in their own skin. Oh, absolutely. And were you sort of... You know, when you first wrote the first book, I mean, it obviously sounds like a lot of it's based on your experience. I mean, did you go in writing the first book with that as the intention? Like, I'm going to write this book because there was nothing um, like that when I was a kid and I want to show what I went through and that. And did you sort of then expect it to have the reaction it did? Did you expect it to be something that has become... Uh, you know, so many people have sent you those sort of messages and that feedback about how much it's helped. And now that you've had those messages, do you feel more responsibility and in some ways more pressure with the next books that you're going to write? Definitely. I think the first book felt like a... A passion project, really. And I, you're right, I set out um, to write the book that I needed to read when I was 10 years old because I thought, well, if I felt like that, Surely there'll be other people out there going through the same experience. But what has got me and surprised me more is the fact that it's gone beyond disabled children and it's gone beyond um, children who might be thinking they're gay or questioning their sexuality. I think it's been enjoyed by everybody because although Edie is disabled and it talks about that 
at the end of a day. It's a funny, hopefully, if I've done my job right. <laughs> it's a funny story about growing up and finding out who you are. So I think even you as an able-bodied adult man, hopefully you could read it and remember how you felt starting school and making friends. So um, that's, that's made me incredibly happy that it's not just for that specific type of reader. It really touches on universal themes of growing up. Mm. Um, and I think writing book two was definitely hard. Uh, it was a tricky second album. <laughs> But in some ways, it was more enjoyable because I had established that word in the first book. So then I could move on and I could explore more themes about growing up and finding out who you are. And I can't say this without sounding like a bit of a prat, like a creative <laughs> prat. But writing book three now, in between all my massages is <laughs> actually even easier because I feel like I know those characters and that world yeah. so well now and I don't feel like I'm writing it at all. I'm just going, oh yeah, so Flora would say this yeah. and then Edie would do that. And yeah. then of course Oscar would say this. So but three have probably been my most enjoyable because I'm now just going further into that world and I've kind of got through that initial 
disability explanations and now they're just allowed to be themselves. Yeah. I mean, what what an amazing... I mean, I just want to jump in and say what an amazing, amazing story and achievement is because what I absolutely love, and obviously we both work in schools and you try and inspire children to you know, follow their dreams and, and, and educate themselves. And I think what you've been able to do is obviously take your story and and your, um, what you went through and different things. And you've been able to, it must be such an amazing feeling to know that children up and down the country. I mean, we work in schools, we see this book in front of children's desks. And I think knowing that and knowing the impact you're having and opening those doors and tackling those, uh, you know, those things and those stigmas and things like that is just such an amazing thing. And I just think massive, massive well done because, uh, you know, you're giving children the opportunity to read about this. Like you said, uh, if they have uh, certain disabilities, if they're, if they're able-bodied, they're able to read this story and connect with the different characters and maybe siblings and parents mm-hmm. and things like that. And I just think what an, what an amazing, amazing achievement. And I'm so glad that there's going to be five books. Obviously, once you get all the massages out of your system <laughs> uh, and you get back to writing, yeah. um, honestly, just a huge, huge well done. And I'm sure I speak on behalf of all the children who have read your books. And I know there's plenty in my school. Uh, just a massive thank you and uh, <sighs> for doing that because I think it's amazing. And, and I'm so glad that you're able to continue to tell these stories as the characters grow up. I know Lee's children have literally just started uh, secondary school within the last mm. month. Um, and, you know, even looking back on our days, how, how, how much of a huge transition it was to go from that big fish in a yeah. small pond to be the smallest fish in the biggest pond. Um, and just to have something to relate to. Uh, yeah, absolutely huge, huge. Well done. Thank you. Thank you so much. And, yeah, you are like what I didn't expect. And literally the highlight of my year was Wood Book Day on Twitter and Instagram. I've received so many photos of girls dressing up like Edie and that was something that I hadn't even imagined and um, I felt quite emotional because some of the girls had a disability but then other girls didn't. Other girls were able-bodied and they just wanted to dress up like their hero, E.D. Eckhart, and they didn't the fact that ED has cerebral palsy wasn't an issue for them. And when I think about when I went to school in the 90s, nobody would have ever 
dressed up like a disabled person because they were the hero. Like disabled people weren't heroes or or people to aspire to be. Disabled people were victims and people you should feel sorry for. So, yeah, that as well was incredibly emotional to see. Mm. And, I mean, you are a massive sort of inspiration with not just the writing, just everything you do as far as raising. And like Adam said, sort of getting rid of those stigmas around disabled people. Because um, it was, uh, you were mentioning before, Adam, about a clip you saw on, was it Steph's Pat Lunch? Steph's Pat Lunch, yeah, I saw it uh, on your Instagram today. And I just thought, you know, I w- and I'm going to share it after, just because it wasn't peak time. I thought, I'll wait for peak time, insta-peak <laughs> time, uh, especially for teachers and school staff who, who are still in, still doing the marking and things like that. Yeah. But what you were talking about, and, and, and you know, my obviously my heart went out when you were discussing the things that that you're you know you face on a daily basis which is obviously disgusting and and, and yeah happen um but opening those doors and, and letting people see that you know how we tackle that together um like i said it is it's very inspiring i think you are such a huge role model in that aspect of of you know highlighting these issues and making them or doing everything we can to try and get rid of ableism, I think, is yeah. the, the main thing yeah. you were talking about, wasn't it? Yeah. So I was um, just going to follow up with that question and just sort of say, like, obviously, I think talking about we grew up in the 90s, you know, how far we've come. Uh, and what what sort of things would you say are better now than when you grew up? But I was also going to follow that up with what would you also, what you know, what's the next thing? What would you want to see more of sort of thing? God, you asked questions and I'm a bit like, there's no way to answer that without taking 45 minutes. <laughs> right, let's get, let's get a masseuse there now. Let's get a masseuse sent over now. We need to relax her up. <laughs> right. It's a good question, and I'm going to try and answer it as uh, compactly as possible. But, yeah, I think we're all around the same age. And growing up in the 90s, um. I feel like I hit the jackpot because I, I was, I went to a mainstream school, yeah. but I was the first disabled person to go to my primary school, wow. which. 
I wanted my favorite because I run rings around them. I literally told my reception teacher that I needed naps um, <laughs> during, during maps and science. And she, she hey, listen, said, I need naps when I teach it. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like I ran rings around because I was like, well... If a disabled kid says that, let's make it happen. <laughs> and also, um, for a lot of to good time, it was a Labour government. So I feel like in terms of funding and support, I got everything I needed mm. in my primary school years. Yeah. I had a TA with me one-to-one throughout. Yeah. And because of course, that literally would not happen these days. So I'm aware that I got all the support and resources I needed. And I was quite intelligent and I did very well actually. But in terms of attitudes, looking back now, I, I think I had to explain myself mm. a lot and I had to make people comfortable with my disability and it's probably why I became a comedian mm. because all through school people looked at me funny. I didn't really get bullied but that was because I would always be the first person to make a joke about my disability and I use comedy as a defence mechanism and um, um, in terms of media representation I had a great childhood, but I never thought I would get a job. I never thought I would have a romantic relationship. I never thought I could live independently. 
and as they when I opened the book or when I turned on the television, I never saw a positive representation of somebody with a disability. And luckily, I was confident and intelligent and I was I when, when, sorry to interrupt when you were sort of um you know thinking you could never live independently never get a job like how would did, how would that make you feel did you, like at that time again at what age are we talking when you sort of went through those feelings um I would say like early secondary yeah. so 1213 and I don't know looking back now it feels really strange to say but I was never upset. Yeah. I think because I just thought it wasn't an option to me. So probably saying, how did you feel about never thinking you'd be independent? It's a bit like saying, how did you feel knowing you'll never be an astronaut. Like, yeah. it was so far away from my head. I was, like, just focusing on studying and getting good grades in order to, I literally thought um, the dream for me would be to work in my local supermarket. And I even worked out that I could work at Safeway RIP. <laughs> um, I could work at Safeway because I could get there by only crossing one road. And for me, that was a dream, right? To, to be independent as far as crossing one road and having a job at a supermarket. But as I grew into my teens, I thought, wait a minute, I am getting very good grades. I think I can go to university and then it stem from there and I ended up 
Reverend Angel Pendley going to uni away from home and they graduating and then I moved to London. But yeah, like when I think back to the nineties, it was so hard for me to imagine being a happy, independent adult because I never saw that depicted in the media. I mean, representation just wasn't there. Yeah, and I'm just... I'm I'm just so glad that you followed, you know, you followed the university path and, and you are where you are now. Because obviously if you'd have followed the Safeway dream, it would have been a short-lived stint. <laughs> I was gonna say like, what came first? You deciding to go to you <laughs> Safeway going into administration. Is it a sign? A sign. <laughs> it was Safeway going down. Yeah. I was out. Jesus, I need a plan B. <laughs> that could have been me. <laughs> More importantly, if you had to work in a supermarket now, which one would you go for? Oh, mm. right. Mm. Okay. You've got to think right. that Waitrose, Waitrose had some masseuse no. work in there, surely. No, I would never work out Waitrose because they are all up themselves. Yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. doing it. You know where I go, Morrison's. Right. Morrison's for their bakery. Yeah. Yeah. Can't be it at all. Can't be it at all. If we if we clip this up and send it to Morrison's, could we get some bread, some donuts? Oh I mean, my I feel God, like we could yeah. form some sort of partnership here. <laughs> yeah, it was all right because a safe way in my town got taken over by Morrison's. All right. So, you know what? If they write in and they comedy, I'll go to pot. I'll say it now. Morrison's in Bridlington. Will you have me? <laughs> <laughs> um, so obviously, the job you're doing, you are, you know, with, with all the shows you're on, the books you're writing... You, 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 that representation is starting to improve. But what, what else do you think needs? To, what more needs to happen? Do you think for the next generation to not go through what what you went to, had to go through? Yeah, I mean, I, I hope we are doing better, and now we can turn on the television. And we can see a whole range of diverse people. And I know we're specifically talking about disability, but that was another problem, 
growing up 20 years ago, I feel like TV and a world in general run by white, able-bodied, straight men. And I do think we're getting better in terms of reparation. But what can we do in way? Sorry, my internet fucked up. <laughs> um, but uh, what can we do in terms of disability in general? I I feel like disability is a minority that has the purpose to go. And I use it as a joke in my stand-up, but literally, if you Google disabled comedian, you find my face. Like, I am currently the one disabled comedian in the UK right now. Now, that isn't true. There's plenty of amazing, funny comedians who have a disability, but they're not regularly on TV like I am. So I feel like some comedy shows put me and then they get lazy Mm. because I literally like, we got one, take, move on. No, disability representation needs to be more than booking me on one episode. And we need to um, just hear from so many more different voices. And I feel like... Disability is a minority that people are still scared of. Mm. They don't know how to talk to disabled people. They don't know how to help disabled people. And I talk about ableism a lot and I feel like people know what racism is when you're prejudiced against someone because of their race but the same the same kind for disability 
ableism. People are not familiar mm. even with the word. So if you don't know what it is, you don't know that it occurs every single day if you got a disability. How the hell are we ever going to stop it and be better? So we are getting there, but in terms of education and representation, we've still got a long, long way to go. Yeah. But... On the positive, you're getting your massages paid for every every all these appearances. So it's yeah. you know the representative but then we don't yeah. Um what I uh, mean for me it's so hard because in terms of disability, I shouldn't be the only one who yeah. was but on every comedy show but selfishly I love it and so like what would you say because I, I you know with what Adam was saying that clip before I've not watched it but you know you must how do you, how do you handle here's one point like the the online stuff like the trolling and the negativity online, which I think is just, because I talk a lot on my training about, you know, obviously platforms need to do more to shut it down, but the role, because what I, apart from teaching, I also do a lot of training in schools with mm-hmm. teachers and I talk a lot about technology. And so I'm constantly talking to teachers about, look, the platforms need to do more, but we also need to educate children more about how to, you know, translate the empathy they show each other in class to when they're online, because I think this yeah. sort of weird mentality where people think because they don't necessarily see the direct impact of their words, it's all almost like it's it's okay. And obviously you you talk a lot about, or you you sort of expose it a lot, don't you? And you, you, you do it in such a positive and brave way Um and yeah, I just wonder how, does it ever affect you in a way or have you been able to sort of, again, is it one of them where you just turn that into a positive to sort of yeah. raise the and... Um, It used to affect me a lot more, but yeah. unfortunately I get online abuse every single day. So... I'm numb to it now, and I think if you got a platform in any way, in order to keep um, your mental health okay, yeah. you got to just ignore it. So mm. I don't seek it out. I use social media because it's a great way to talk to my fans, 
but in a way I use Twitter and Instagram as a little room that like I open the door and yeah, I shout something into it and then I close it because yeah. I, if I stay in that room too much, it will not be healthy for me. And I mean, people can be viral online in the past. I've had death threats, I've had rape threats, I've had every ableist slur you can think of thrown mm. at me. And you just got to feel sorry for the people saying that because a happy person will never write that. Yeah. It comes from a very angry, sad person who is, well, a coward because that. They're hiding behind their computer, so I just ignore them. I just focus on the children who come up to me who say, who thank me for writing ED. I focus on the people who stop me in the street and say I'm funny. Uh, so with everything in life, it is hard. It yes. does get me down, but you got to focus on the positives. Yeah. I think that's a, an amazing attitude to have. And do you think that's going to be... You know, you were talking about with your other books that you're going to be writing, how you're going to be exploring other issues. Do you think that will be an issue you sort of explore? Because obviously for a lot of young people now, they jump on those social media platforms and uh, you can sort of share those pearls of wisdom of how you, you're able to handle it. Yeah, definitely. And I think, again, growing up um, in the 90s, we didn't have any of this. I, I got Facebook when I was 18, so I wasn't ever exposed to social media in the way that children are now. And I think... It's super important to talk about this. And yeah, absolutely, in the future book, I'm going to focus on social media and how there's so many positives. Oh, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, yeah, really got to 
be safe on there. Absolutely. Um, so let's talk a bit more about your school days then. So I'm quite intrigued when you were saying that you were able to sort of uh, trick your teachers, like you said, with your reception teacher. Because, you know, before when you were saying I didn't really get bullied, I was yeah. about to say, was that because you were asleep having a nap, nap <laughs> in your reception classroom? Yeah. Um, yeah. So was there any other sort of things you, you, you tried with teachers to get away with things? Oh, yeah. So Lisa will not surprise you. I, I wasn't naughty, yeah. but I did like talking. I yeah. loved having a chat. I loved um, looking behind me and chatting to my friends. And whenever the teacher said to me, uh, Rosie, uh, what are you talking about? I would quick as a flash say, uh, I'm talking about my cerebral palsy. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that just shut and right <laughs> up there like, okay, okay, carry on talking. And yeah, I love school so much, but yeah, I would... Just tell the teachers whatever I bloody wanted. <laughs> yeah, and and what um any particular teacher that you had back in the day that had a massive sort of influence on you? Yeah, I mean I had two I reckon in primary school. Like I said, I had a TA. One-to-one yeah. -one with me. And she was called Judith Larson. And she was my best friend. We were like two peas in a pod. And, <laughs> yeah! <laughs> I did that on purpose. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> 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 and then, even now, me and Judith meet up every Christmas and oh. we go to the pub together. Um, and then at secondary school, Mr. Hurst was my English teacher. And he was really the, the teacher who, who told me I could be a writer. Yeah. And I don't, well, I know I wouldn't be who I am and where I am without Judith and Mr. Hurst. So I'm very grateful for them both. So we've had we've had guests on before, and we talk we talk about um, favorite teachers and stuff. But it's really nice that I think you're the first guest we've ever had who's given a massive shout out to TAs. 
because yeah, some, yeah, you know, on the podcast yeah. we're always uh you know bigging up the vital role they play and yeah and obviously yeah. everything going on and you mentioned it before with the how when we had a Labour government, there was a lot more funding. Yeah. Whereas now at the minute, yeah. CNA's, you know, the the very underpaid, undervalued. Yeah. To hear a story yeah. like that, where even now yeah. you still meet up and. Uh, when yeah. you when you yeah. said before, Rosie, about when Lee asked you that question, you said, "Oh, I don't know how to do this without talking for forty minutes." When you brought up the Labour Labour government and funding, I thought, "Oh, you've set Lee off for the next forty minutes. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to yeah. be here all night." Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, but we could literally talk for hours about this, but I think if we take one thing from our chat, it's I am who I am today because... I was lucky enough to have a, a load of years under the Labour government and it's really heartbreaking to see what is happening now. Yeah. Well, fingers crossed, won't be for too much longer. <laughs> um, I've absolutely loved this chat we're going to finish with one yeah. last question and this is a question that we ask every guest we have if you could go in a time machine yeah and meet your 10 year old self mm. and have a little chat and you could uh... you'd have to wake her up first <laughs> <laughs> what sort of advice would you give them what, what sort of what would you tell them This is so lame and such a cop-out, but I probably wouldn't tell her anything because I think I am who I am today because I've had to fight and struggle and I don't think I'd be as Drunk and then as ambitious as I am. So I'll probably say to her, Hello, love, you're doing all right. Just know that it'll all work out. Um, You might think you're a bit lost. For a long period of time, but you'll find your way and what you'll do is beyond anything you could ever imagine and now just say you'll be doing a little bit more than working that Safeway. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, the advice might be Safeway is not surviving. <laughs> yeah. Plan B. Yeah. Or, or just oh. give your 10 year old, give your 10 year old self a nice neck rub and say, in 20 years, you're going <laughs> to love this. <laughs> uh, well, Rosie, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Honestly, you are an absolute inspiration with everything you do. Um, 
Yeah, we are. I, I mean, I'm in awe. I'm in absolute oh, awe. Of, of yeah, I, I just like to uh, add. Yeah, obviously, get the brand new book, the big trip, the amazing ED, uh, EDX car. It's absolutely brilliant. Children up and down the land are loving it. And I just want to say to uh, you know, all the teachers and school staff, support staff, teaching assistants who will listen yeah. to this and just hear you give a shout out of how inspiring and how lucky you were to have those members of staff. Those members of staff yeah. who might be struggling at the moment and thinking are they making that difference seeing the absolute example and inspiration that you are and how the teachers and TAs have made such a massive role in that uh you know will make everyone maybe believe that what they are doing will pay off and uh, yeah Yeah. thank you so much we've absolutely loved it it's been such a pleasure having you on here oh I've really loved it and I hope you get a break Soon, <laughs> and I think you two shall go for a, a double massage. <laughs> <laughs> you need more than one pair of hands for us two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you oh, so much. Thank you. I'll see you later. See you later. Bye. Thank you.